Welcome to the Training Kings Podcast, inspiring and equipping Christians to be successful in business. I'm now going to introduce our first speaker. Uh, his name is Mervyn. And I first met Mervyn, I think it was in um, London. He became a member of London Training Kings. And even when he did his 60 seconds, I thought, wow, there's something about this guy. This guy's a good communicator, he's got a strong message, and he cares about people. And it just so turned out that he is a, uh, a very well sought after coach, um, which he's going to be talking, he'll, 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 I'm sure he'll tell you in a bit more detail. He's a family man, he's got five uh, children. He travels all over the country supporting training kings in the, in, the, in the kingdom vision that we have. And now he's here all the way from London to speak for sort of 20 minutes or so. So let's please give a warm welcome and show our appreciation to Mr. Mervyn! Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. <clears throat> so, um, well, good morning, everybody. Um, Mr. Leeds, Samuel Leeds is uh, absolutely right. I, I have to, if I could vouch for Samuel, because I went along. <laughs> well, I went along to one of uh, his um, property events, and I was just blown away. We sat there and really sourced property. I mean, really sourced it. And there's something because I'm going to speak to you about the brain and how it works. Um, and but there's something about when you actually take the action that makes it more real. And I've never, ever taken the action before. The action of actually sourcing a property makes it seem so much more tangible, so real. It can actually happen. And I, my wife and I really got that sense in that um, day and a half, two days, two-day event. It was fantastic. If you haven't been to one of them, please go along. Even if you're not interested in property, there are so many bits and pieces, some nuggets of information there that will really, really have you focused. So thank you very much, Samuel. Brilliant, brilliant. I'm just blown away. But um, um, as Samuel said, my name is Mervyn Barrett. I call myself an inevitability coach. Let me tell you what that means. I help people to structure their inner and outer game. Now, everybody has an inner and outer game. That's how we do what we do. Most people don't recognize this fact. So whenever I hear somebody saying something like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing it. I know there's no alignment between the inner and outer game. Now, I help people to structure in a cohesive and coherent manner those two games. Once you have alignment, you take action that you want to take. And that, that, that therefore, makes the results that you want in your life inevitable. So that's why I call myself an inevitability coach. Um, today I'm going to speak to you about the brain uh, and actually a part of the brain that is just a fact of life. It's fear. We all have it. It's there for a very, very good reason. Now, if you don't use fear, I guarantee it will use you in any area of your life, whether it's in your business life or whether you want to say hello to your sweetheart or no to something, fear is there. And if you can learn how to use it and not have it use you, then you can put yourself in a really powerful position to literally unlock, unleash whatever it is that you want to unleash in your life. Before I do that, I want to give you all a quick exercise. I can see if you've been writing things down because I'm a big believer in thinking, speaking and writing. It's very powerful. It's one of the tenets that I have as a coach to think, speak, write. So I want you to do a quick ex exercise with me and that's to put your hands together like this, please interleave your fingers and put one thumb over the other and just hold it there and just feel that. Everybody okay? Yeah. Okay, now I want you to swap 
everything. So the one, the thumb that was on top, put it underneath, just interleave it the other way around. And just tell me what you feel. Anybody? It feels a bit weird. Feels a bit weird. It feels a bit awkward. Anybody else? It's not as comfortable. Listen to those words. Feels awkward. Feels weird. What do you want to do? Put it back. Put it back. Put it back then. Yeah, I can even hear people going, oh, oh yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's your brain. That's what it does all day long. It actually doesn't like being uncomfortable. But let me ask you this question. If you kept it, in the second position, would you not after a while get used to it? Again, that's your brain. Most people are so happy with the comfort, even if it's discomfort, they don't mind it, so they'll keep doing it. So I'm gonna to talk to you today about some little bits and pieces around the brain and how you can use it to your advantage. And I'm gonna start really by just this, this idea of being uncomfortable. We think that in our heads, we are linear. In other words, we make connections. It's this, then it's that, and then it's this. And I want to give an example of what I mean, because I, I'm, in my former life, I was a mathematician, a maths teacher. I taught in secondary school, um, uh, all the way from 11 up to 18. And one of the things about maths is that it's very logical and very linear. And when your hands are like in that first position where you're nice and comfortable and you move to the second position, you think, oh, I'm uncomfortable, and you start making what you think are linear connections. Now, well, let me just give you a little bit. If, if I gave you the number two, and I said, we're just gonna go up in twos. So after two, you get four, and then you get six, and then you get eight, and then you get 10. That's what you think, it's logical, you know what's coming next. That's what you think your brain is doing logically, yes. Emotionally, your brain is actually doing this. Uh, we're gonna start with two, and then we're just gonna double it. So after two, you're gonna get four, and when you double four, you get eight, and when you double eight, you get 16. When you double 16, you get 32. That's the same thing we just did, two, four, six, eight, 10, five times. When you, do, when you double it five times, you get 32. Do you realize if you doubled two pence, if you took two pence and you added two pence to it each day, after 30 days, you'd have how much? 60 pence, right? If you doubled a penny, one penny each day, after 30 days, you'd have over five million pounds. After 30 days. That's what's happening in your mind. You think, well, especially when you're upset, you think, well, uh, I'm upset and it's because of this and then something else comes to your mind. It's because of that and it's because of this person and that person. And you think it's all logical and it all makes sense because it's two and two makes four. It's not doing that. It's actually creating vast swathes of information uh, from your memory banks, from your emotional memory banks, from your feeling memory banks and adding them all together in an exponential way. So it actually explodes in your head. That is what stops you. That's why sometimes you don't want to get out of bed in the morning. That's why sometimes you maybe you eat that piece of, like me this morning, those sausages that <laughs> I've already in my head, no, no, it's good, it's good, because I'm going to go home, I'm going to do something. I've already made the excuses so I can eat the sausages. But that's why, yeah, yeah. 
That's why we do it. And it's so easy because we think it's a logical, rational, linear thing that we're doing. It's not. It's exponential. It's explosive. It really is. Is everybody clear on that? Okay, brilliant. So um, what I want to do then is just give you, let me ask you this question. I've got these famous individuals. This, I call this getting on the court. You've got to get on the court in the game of your life. So if I ask you about these people, um, Andy Murray, David Beckham, Serena Williams, and um, what's the name? The, the Olympian. The, um, yeah, what's her name now? <laughs> Uh, she was at the 2012 Olympics. Jess Ennis, Jess Ennis. Brilliant, thank you. They've all got, they've all got, they've got loads of things in common, but there's one thing in common that unless you're at Last Training Kings, you won't know, that you will not get. They've got one thing in common that none of you can get in here. Have a guess. What have they all got in common? <coughs> yes, they all clear their throats. <laughs> <laughs> Determination, yes, but that's not the thing I'm talking about. Gold medal. Gold medal, yes, that's not the thing I'm talking about. A coach? A coach, yes, I, I'd say definitely, but that is not the thing I'm talking about. I would say that because I'm a coach. <laughs> okay, let me put you out of your, um, your interest. I was going to say put you out of your misery. <laughs> um, they've all been heavily criticised at one time or another in their lives. I mean, heavily. I was reading uh, about um, Andy Murray. This, um, this, I think it was in May this year. And it was about his parents. And one time ago, England were playing football in the European Championships. And they said, who do you support, Andy? And he said he had, it just, it just, he just said, anyone but England. Oh, my giddy aunt. He was mullered. I mean, the press took him to task. It was so bad that I'm reading this story. This was like, I think it was in 2005 or something like that. And his parents, to this day, still get hate mail. Hate mail from what he did. So most of us, just like that hands here, when you hear that possibly you're going to be criticized, no, no, I, I'm uncomfortable, I'm not going to do it. They've overcome that. Jessica Ennis, you know Jessica Ennis, after she had her first child, they were going around saying that her bum was too big. Can you believe that? This is our greatest, one of our greatest um, Olympians. Her bum was too big. But she had to keep going. Yeah, you all know David Beckham. I don't know if you know the story. One time in, the, in one of the, it was a World Cup and it was against Argentina, our mortal enemy. And he, he petulantly flicked his leg out like that. And... 19, and, and, and the, 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 oh, he was a rotter. The, the, we were winning the game up until that point, and then when we, he went off, the whole balance of the game went wrong, and it was David Beckham's fault. And none to do with the other players on the pitch, it was his fault. When he came back to England, they were burning effigies of him and his family. And he had to go through all of that. Just, just, just remember, when your hands are like this, he's no different to any of you in here, any of us, he had his hands in an uncomfortable position and you're going to get used to it. If you're going to run a business or if you're going to do anything in your life, you're going to have to get used to that feeling and recognize that you can actually interplay. 
There's nothing wrong with your hands being in this position, the second position, as opposed to the first position. When you recognize that, you're beginning to break down who you are and how you work. And when you recognize how you work, then what you want in your life can become a reality. Um, absolutely, in any area of your life, I guarantee it. I'm a, a living example of that, and maybe I'll spend that a little bit later. Uh, so all of them, they have what I call getting on the court. They've got on the court. And I'm going to put it to you today that for you to be really successful, you must, you must, you must get on the court. And what you've got to overcome is the fact that when you get on the court, you know most people, when they're watching, who was it in the tennis finals in, in, in um, Australia? It was Federer and Nadal. Nadal. I, well, there must have been like six, 7,000 people watching the game. Go on, go on, Rafa, go on, Roger. Can you, can you get a result if you're in the stands and you're watching two people play a game? Can you get a result out of that game? Can you win? Can you lose? Can you draw? No, you can't. Why not? Because you're not on the court. You're in the stands. Most of us, it's my, my um, contention that most of us, we don't get on the court in a game of our lives. We stay in the stands. And when you stay in the stands, you're never going to get a result. When you get on the court, you have to take a risk. Think about it. You're exposed. Everybody's watching you. Again, it's that second position. It's uncomfortable, but you can get used to it. If you couldn't get used to it, we wouldn't have champions. We wouldn't have business leaders. You know what? We wouldn't have mums. We wouldn't have dads. We'd all just be fearful living in our shells. But we're not because you can get used to it. You can overcome it. And I'm going to give you some techniques uh, in a little while. I'm going to write them up there that you can use that will absolutely torpedo fear. Is this making sense? Yeah. Okay, great stuff. So, um... It, it, for me, it's like, what holds me back? And again, just about the brain, because I love the brain. It's such an incredible organ. It's just, you know, it does everything. You don't do anything without your brain. Yes, head. Yes, mind. Yes, heart. But brain, brain, brain. As I'm doing what I'm doing right now, my brain is doing it. it it's not actually me. It's my brain. But what most people don't recognize is that it isn't you. It's your brain. And sometimes the brain does stupid stuff. Stupid stuff. It does. It's not you. It's your brain. I want you to just begin to really feel that. It's not you. It's your brain. It's designed to, it, the, the, the number one overarching, overriding, organizing principle of the brain is to minimize threats before going after reward. How am I doing for time, sir? Awesome. Minimize threat before going after wards. In other words, survival first, under all circumstances. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Again, just that subtle change of hand position, you suddenly feel a threat. It may be a mild threat, but your brain does something very, very interesting when it feels any sort of a threat. It shuts down. Not completely. It shuts down the logical, rational thinking part of your being. It shuts down what they call, this is called the prefrontal cortex. I'll just call it the forebrain and the hindbrain. In the forebrain, you do all your planning, all your thinking, all your rationalizing. Sometimes it's rational lies. <laughs> yeah, we rationalize things. Well, I don't really need to, like me this morning, I, you know, I can have two sausages and two bacon because later on I'm going to have loads of lettuce. 
So you have rationalized it for myself. <laughs> we do it all the time. I'm just saying, <laughs> we do it all the time. Um, but the point that I'm making is that your brain has to go for survival under all circumstances. In any situation, survival first. So that's, that happens at the hind brain. So you've got the forebrain and the hindbrain. The hindbrain's got all the emotional stuff in there. All the stuff to do with fight, flight, and freeze. Uh, I'll tell you, fight, flight, and freeze will knock you out of the game, out of the box, get you off the court and in the stands quicker than anything. And if you recognize that, again, once you recognize that, you know it's happening to you. So if you know it's happening to you, you can do something about it. It's when you don't realize it's happening to you. And how do you know when you don't realize it's happening to you? You say things like, I don't know why this is happening to me. Or, why did I just do that? <laughs> or, I just don't get it. Yeah, I help people to get it. Because once you understand the basic model of a brain, then you know something about your brain. And once you know something about your brain, because it's your brain, you know something about yourself. I help people to de deconstruct. What we tend to do as human beings, we don't deconstruct, we destroy ourselves when we're looking at what we did. Because we are exponentially growing and adding things to it in an exponential way. We think it's a logical way. Yeah, I didn't get out of bed this morning and, you know, I just felt a bit tired and it was, um, it was the wife's fault or as I was worried about the kids. And we think these are all logical things. They're not. They're exponential. They're huge. They're like barriers. So one of the things that you want to do is if I can just grab a quick pen. When your brain is acting in that way, there are four things that you can do that absolutely torpedo it. I mean, knock it out of the ballpark every single time. You're going to use them together. You know, the, the, the US Navy SEALs, these are like, you know, the SAS, right? These guys, they, they just do some crazy stuff, you know, for queen and country and all the rest of it. Well, the, the US Navy SEALs is like the equivalent. These are hardcore men and women who just do some really crazy stuff, <laughs> you know, in order to go out and shoot people. Uh, I mean, let me not get into the politics of it. The point I'm making is that when they're in their training camp, they have a failure rate for one particular exercise that is really extraordinarily high. And it's this exercise where they have to get into the swimming pool and dive underwater. And once they're underwater, they've got the breathing apparatus on and a guy will come up behind them and he'll just pull off the mask or pull out the, um, the, the, the oxygen thing, breathing thing. And then they have to calmly, rationally put it back on. And as soon as they put it back on, boom, it's off again. And there's like five or six instructions, about 30 guys in the pool. And they just go around just disrupting them and seeing how, how many times they can actually get it back on before they just panic and head for the surface. And you're not allowed to head for the surface until you get a tap on the shoulder and say, you've passed. And they found that the failure rate for that particular exercise was extraordinarily high. And I thought, what is it? And it was fear. And let me tell you, fear, F, E, A, R is, I'm sure you've heard this. Anybody? False? Evidence appearing. Appearing real. In other words, it's not really real. 
we just exponentially grow it in our heads so it becomes real. Did you know, did you know, I bet you probably didn't know this, well, you might, you might have some inkling that as you think, you feel. Yeah, they work together. So you don't think a thought in isolation without feeling that thought as well. Did you know you have around about 20,000 thoughts a day? 20,000. This is one of the reasons why we actually don't know who we are. Because we don't recognize every single one of those has a corresponding feeling. You can't keep up with it. Your brain is going at a million miles an hour. You cannot keep up with it. And if you don't realize that, no, no, that's what I mean. No, that's just my brain, just having another thought. It's not me. But the thought comes with a, what does it come with? A feeling. It comes with a feeling. Say it with me. Say it with me. Don't sit there and just let him talk to me. Let him talk at me. I want to speak with you. So we're working together. So you get more out of this when you say, when you echo. Remember what I said? Think, speak, write. It's a superpower writing, by the way. It's almost like a dying art now, of course, but it's a superpower. So these Navy SEALs, um, what they did, they recognized that, yes, it is false evidence appearing real, but what they recognized, there are four, four things that you can do. And when you put these together, wow. The first one, set goals, set goals. Set goals, set goals, set goals for everything. Set goals for getting out of bed. Set goals for eating food. Set goals for conversations. In other words, what do I want to get out of the conversation? What do I want to get out of the meal that I'm about to eat? What do I want to get out of getting out of bed at this time as opposed to getting out of bed at that time? What do I want to set goals? Your brain, honestly, it loves a goal. Do you know everything you say Everything you say, your brain goes, yes. Everything. So many say, and here's what most people do, I'm not good enough. Yes! That's what your brain says. <laughs> uh, I'll never get there. Yes! Or, I'm awesome. Yes! Your brain doesn't care what you say. It's just going to say yes. It just wants to make connections. We're designed to... Do you, <laughs> Well, sorry, I'm getting a bit overwhelmed here because it's just the brain's just incredible. If you just got your brain. You know, one of the other things about when you get how you work, it actually makes you quite humble. And you know, that allows you to connect more with other people. You become more empathic because you recognize my struggle, my sister, is no different to yours. My struggle, my brother, it's no different. It's the same thing. You stop being impatient with people. How can you be impatient with somebody when you recognize that actually you're being impatient with yourself? You've got the same brain. You're doing the same thing. Yeah? Yeah, you got that? Yeah. Okay, yes. Your brain's going, yes. <laughs> some of you are saying, no, it doesn't. Yes. <laughs> He's talking rubbish. Yes. <laughs> I wonder what I'm going to be doing tonight. Yes. Am I wasting my time? Yes. Your brain just loves to say yes to everything. So it's your brain. What can you do about your brain? If it's your brain, what can you do? Say it again. Interrupt it. Interrupt, intervene, and interfere with the pattern. It's a patternistic way of being. You know what really helps to interrupt? Set goals. 
Set goals. Your brain loves a goal. It'll go, yes. So I'm going to get out of bed now. Yes. So as I get out of bed, I'm going to go and brush my teeth. I'm going to be really intentional about what I'm doing this morning. Yes, your brain says. The more you talk to it in a positive, focused way, the more your brain goes for it. It just gets used to it. I've got to go back to this second position. It just gets used to it. It recognizes, actually, there's nothing wrong with my hands being like this. I just need to get used to it. There's nothing wrong with setting goals. I just need to get used to it. There's no, you know what? Listen to this one. There's nothing wrong with somebody saying, I hate you. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get used to it, but you have to recognize when you empathize that there's something going on for them that creates that in them. So you have to decide, am I going to allow what is in them to now penetrate me? You have to tell your brain, hold on a minute. No, no. What they just said is something that they're dealing with. What's your brain going to say? Yes. But normally what we say is, how dare you speak to me like that? What does your brain say? Yes. <laughs> Every single time the brain just says yes. So the first thing, set goals. Goals are so important. Set goals. Just set them and keep setting goals. Number two, this, oh my giddy aunts. <laughs> what does that say? Ooh, self-talk. I, I never, I never, I never knew this. I never, I never knew, it just blew me away. I had to literally, let me sit down and relax because self-talk. Did you know you, when we self-talk, we speak at the rate of somewhere between 300 to 1,000 words a minute? That's what I mean about 20,000 thoughts a day. 300 to affect, you can't speak that quickly. You can't speak 300 words a minute, but your brain will speak to you at 300 to 1,000 times a minute. Guess and tell me, when do you think it's at its height? When is your brain speaking when it's, uh, when it's speak, speaking at 1,000 words a minute? When will it be doing that? When do you think? Yeah. What sort of state are you going to be in? Boom! Or should I say, yes! <laughs> and yeah, yeah, absolutely, my sister. When you're stressed, the words go, and remember what I said about exponential? This is where it really comes into play. When you're speaking at a thousand words a minute, you're saying, she hates me or he hates me, or I'm not good enough, and they're all rubbish, and they're all against me, and it's never going to work, and I'm rubbish. Most of the time, you know, we're actually talking to ourselves and doing ourselves down. We are, as I said later on, we're not dis deconstructing who we are, we're destroying who we are. There's nobody inside you, apart from the creator, listen to me carefully, there's nobody inside you that knows you better than you. You're an expert in you. You know exactly, precisely what to say to yourself to get out of bed in the morning. Exactly, precisely what to say to yourself to not eat that cake or eat that cake. Or I don't know if anybody smokes here, but smoke that cigarette or like me if you like a little tipple every now and again or maybe again and again and again. <laughs> that, you know that, that fifth again. You, you, you're, you are an expert at that. You can talk yourself out of it and talk yourself into it. We are very, very, you know what it says in the Bible, fearfully and wonderfully made. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. We, there's nobody who knows you better than you. So we sometimes say, well, they're making me upset. No, they're not. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they said that. That's why I feel bad. No, it's not. No. They just said what they're saying. They're just, that's their brain. So now you want to take on their brain as well as your brain. Your self-talk's going to be going at three to five to six to seven to a thousand words a minute. Exponentially growing. Remember what I said? You double one penny. After 30 days, you've got over five million pounds. That's one penny. That's what's happening in your head. You're counting up that way. So your self-talk is rapid. Now, again, remember what I said? The brain loves to say yes. So as you most likely have negative self-talk, you can also have positive self-talk. I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. I just want to go on to the next one. So set goals. Watch, I always say when it comes to self-talk, mind your language, yeah? You are talking offensively to yourself when you are not aware of your self-talk. Even now, you know what I'm going to do? Just a quick exercise. I'm going to stop speaking and I want you to just start listening. So just a couple of seconds, I'm going to stop talking and I want you to listen to what you're saying to yourself. Most people, they don't know who they are because they don't listen to themselves. They don't actually think about their thinking. They don't feel about their thinking. So just 10 seconds. Weird, isn't it? If you actually went there, it's weird. You're just talking to yourself <laughs> all, all day. <laughs> you just, I wonder what we're going to have for dinner. It's just 20,000 20, thoughts. You're talking to yourself all day. Yeah, that's the limiting. That's what, when they say that you've got limiting beliefs, that's what they're talking about. We are our greatest ally and our greatest foe, we, ourselves. Wow, wow. Number three, visualize, visualize. See it happening. Oh, that's rubbish, that doesn't work. You've just visualized. <laughs> you've just seen it happen. Because it hasn't happened yet, and you've spoken into it. You know what they say? You know what we got to change? I want to speak into your life. God speaks into your life. You speak words into, uh, speak words of life into people. When you speak to yourself, which self-talk, remember, you know, 20,000 thoughts a day. You're speaking at between 300 and 1,000 words a second. You know, actually, those words, they're not actually words, are they? What are they? Anybody? There's no right or wrong answer. You just, you know, most of us are so scared. Even now, nobody wants to, you don't want to put your hand in the air. I, I might say something dumb. Nobody's going to think that you're dumb, but you might. When I, when I do talks in schools, it's amazing how little children are so quailed, so, so fearful. Little children. When I say, you know, I'm talking about teenagers, but they're little people. And they, they don't want to put their hands in there. They're so self-conscious. There are reasons for that because of the, the stage of life that they're at. But that added to the fact that just like you guys, just like all of us, they're self-conscious. I don't want to get it wrong. There's nothing, there's nothing to get wrong. When you get that your life is an experiment and not a test, you get some freedom. 
Because if it's a test, how we work, you either pass or you fail. Now, most of us, we don't, when it comes to passing, I passed. Me, yes, me, I passed. But also when we fail, I failed. Your brain's going, yes, right? I failed. Yes, me, I failed. We actually don't see it as something that we did. We see it as something who we are. We make we make failure not something uh, that is separate from us, like, well, I did that and it failed. It, I failed. In other words, I'm no good. There's something about me that is inherently not working. Guys, self-talk. Talk to yourself. Visualize. You know when you visualize something, let's say you've got a meeting to go to, and you speak about that meeting, you think about that meeting, when you set a goal for that meeting, when you set your self-talk for that meeting, and when you visualize for that meeting, wow. When you walk in there, it's like you've already had the meeting. So as soon as they open their mouth, you already know what you're going to say. It's like you're ahead of the game. You're pumped even before you go in there. As long, of course, as when you go in there, you're saying, I'm going to do this. But most of us, because we're not aware of how to set a goal, we're just, I don't have a goal, I just hope that it works. You know, for me, the only hope is in Christ. Stop hoping your life away. It's like, that's like, a, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's like a way of pretending that you want to do it, but you just, in case it doesn't work, I hope it works. I hope I make the money. I hope I get the job. When you go in there like that, you, you're gonna, you haven't got a hope in hell. <laughs> I'm telling you. So when you, when you visualize, when you speak into it, when you say, right, I'm going to sit into that room. I here's what I say to my kids when they're having a test. Not my, not my, my, I don't my children now because they're at GCSE level. But when I, when I say my kids, I mean when I teach children, I say one of the things to them. When you go into the exam, you don't have to know what's on the paper. Forget about what's on the paper. Have a plan. Go in there with something you can do. And one of the things I say to them, when you go in there, the first thing you say is, right, I'm going to read every single question on the paper. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to tick it, circle it, and cross it. I'm going to tick it if I know how to do it. I'm going to circle it if I think I know how to do it. I'm going to cross it if I don't know how to do it. You go through the whole paper like that, and then you go back and do everything that you ticked first. You've got a plan. So it doesn't matter what's on the paper. You will know, well, I can do that question. You know what that does for you? Your confidence, boom, it builds it up. It immediately steps it up. So, in the same thing when you're going into a situation where you're going to have an interview, just for example, visualize it. Know what you're going to say. It might not work out the way you wanted it to work out, but you went in with a definite plan. It actually makes you more flexible. When you go in without one, your brain just doesn't like it. It, it just doesn't like uncertainty. It will do anything, second position again, to avoid feeling uncomfortable it's uncertain it wants to go back to certainty work with your brain otherwise it will work you like a dog for the rest of your life over and over again and have you poor and blame Donald Trump or Barack Obama or Theresa May or whoever it is you want to blame for the fact that you are still in the position that you're in one year ago two years ago three years ago ten years ago you're still in the same position and you want to blame somebody else no stop doing that in terms of wealth, this is one of the richest countries in the world. If you don't have what you want, I'd ask you to inwardly, look inwardly. Stop looking out. It's not them immigrants or them unemployed people that's taking all the money. You ain't taking your money. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's going on. <laughs> 
So visualize, it's really powerful. And the final thing, this is another thing that really blew my mind. Breathe. The breath of life. Like, what didn't, didn't God breathe into Adam? Yeah, he just breathed life into him. We breathe 20, again, it's amazing, 20,000 times a day. Most of the time it's unconscious. Do you know what happens? As soon as you say, oh, I'm breathing, it stops being unconscious and becomes conscious because it's an automatic action that we do. It's not what we, it's what our brain does because it keeps us alive, right? Doesn't it? But as soon as you start to check your breath, it slows down instantaneously. Anytime you do that, because you're noticing it. Now, again, when you're at high anxiety, you're actually not even breathing. Like, you're, did he just say that? What happens when you stop breathing? And I mean, it's not that you stop breathing altogether. It's not full. It's not even. It's not crisp. It's not deep. It's shallow. When you're breathing shallow, or you're like that, you're feeding the, emotions, the emotional centers, the hindbrain. You're feeding it. So when you get upset immediately, and, and actually at the same time as you're feeding the hindbrain, you're slowing down the process of oxygen. You squeeze the, the blood cells in the front of your brain slow, start to uh, attenuate. They get smaller. So you can't get any oxygen to your brain. That's why when you're in an emotionally high state, several things are happening. One, you've got the exponential thing going on. Two, you actually can't rationalize. Some of you are speaking to kids and you're shouting at them because they're crying or because they did something. Stup kids do stupid things. And then you have a go at them. And they're already at the back of their brain. When you have a go at them, you just send them higher. You cannot communicate. You, you know already when you're upset, nobody can communicate with you. Nobody. What do you have to do? Calm down. And what, what is calming down? Breathing deeply, deeply. I don't know if you do yoga or anything like that. You know, I'm not into um, this, um, what they call it, mindfulness meditation. Some people hear that, especially as Christians. But, <gasps> That's that Buddhist stuff. Oh. <laughs> just, just leave the, just put that to one side, okay, and just think about the mechanics of it. The mechanics of breathing are incredible the way that it actually oxygenates the blood. Do you know when you really think about your breathing, you actually straighten up your posture because you want to sit up straight. I can see some of you already shifting because <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And, oh no, you just see me so I mustn't because your brain then, yes, your brain's <laughs> And the other thing, uh, he's not going to get me, yes. He doesn't know what I'm thinking, yes. Or he knows what I'm thinking, yes. Whatever you're saying, your brain is saying, yes. Oh man. So breathing is, is fundamental. Of course, if you didn't breathe, you'd be dying. But some things that can, just some quick things that can help you when it comes to breathing. Breathe evenly. And I say, take deep breaths. No, don't just go. <laughs> breathe evenly. Just interrupt the flow of the breathing. Breathe evenly. Try to exhale a little bit longer than you inhale. When you inhale, you're putting the... Um, one of the uh, autom autonomic nervous systems, the, uh, the one that's like a, a foot on the clutch, into play. 
So when you, <laughs> you're hyperventilating, you're now putting your foot full on the accelerator, 100 miles an hour in 0 to 60 seconds. Not just eight, nine seconds. When you exhale and you make the exhalation longer than the inhalation, you're putting your foot on the brake of your body. Your body has a brake. It's a natural brake. And when you breathe, when you exhale, you put your foot on the pedal. That slows it down. So don't go, I'm calm, I'm calm. No, just I'm watching my breath. I'm feeling it. I'm breathing. It's really powerful. So these four things here, you can use any one of these is awesome. But let me tell you, when you put these four together, you will recognize that fear is false evidence appearing real. So brilliant. Uh, I just want to um, finish off really by uh, just a little bit about my coaching. Coaching is phenomenal. If you don't have a coach, why? <laughs> Barack Obama's, you know Barack Obama's had, I don't know if he's got one now, he had a relationship coach to coach him, because he's so busy, to coach him in helping him to speak with his wife. Because he's just so busy. Alan Sugar, Lord Sugar, do you know Lord Sugar's got a business coach? That's Lord Sugar. Why is one of the most successful businessmen, there's a clue there, why doesn't one of the most successful businessmen in the world have a business coach? Somebody to coach him on business. I, was, I read this thing out, this article about this guy, J.T. Fox. He's a property man, and um, he's a property coach. And it was a day in his life, and it was 7 o'clock in the morning, get up, go for a run. 8 o'clock, prayer. 9.15, business lunch. He said 12 o'clock. Two things that struck me. The first thing is 12 o'clock, make 10 cold calls. This is a businessman. He's got millions. And he said, make 10 cold calls because he still wants to have his feet as you said his feet on the ground yeah he wants to be grounded so it doesn't matter how much money you've got you know do, do you still have it to be able to attract people are you still attractive yeah that's the first thing the second thing came to nine o'clock and he said speak to my coach nine in the evening speak to my coach throw some ideas around i was blown away i thought this guy's a coach and then when i got my first coach i recognized that he had a coach so it's amazing, it's amazing. What I offer everybody is a free dumb session. So it's a free session in that one hour, it'll probably take less time than an hour. Inside one hour, you're gonna get some freedom. Inside one hour. So, um, thank you very much for allowing me the uh, honor and privilege of speaking with you today. Um, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you very much.